This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. That's pretty good. The Raptors win against the Suns, who are coming into this game on a seven-game win streak, who were here yesterday while the Raptors were playing in Brooklyn, and the Raptors were delayed and had to leave Brooklyn at 4 a.m. I suspect the rhythm of sleep schedules were disrupted. They power through. It's 112 to 105. Big game from the Raptors, and a huge game for Scotty Barnes. There's a couple things that Scotty was able to do in this game. Uh, Pascal, I thought, had really good process, even on those late misses, really heady cuts, extremely well-timed. The physicality that was allowed in this game, you could see that war on Pascal over the course, some missed shots late. The perfect antidote to physicality, if you're going to let the boys play, is Scotty Barnes, who is a very powerful, overwhelming physical presence and does a fantastic job of powering the Raptors through to the end of this game. I super impressive. Uh, he leads the Raptors in minutes tonight. He was able to win the lineups of Scotty plus bench. I think over the course of like almost six minutes, those lineups won by six points. It's a really big deal. And the lineup that had been really good, which is Gary substituting in for Scotty plus the starters, didn't have as much success today. Scotty really found a way. 23 points, four assists, and assists were kind of hard to come by outside of the pick and roll in this game. Um, Pascal and Scotty only combined for seven, but 23 points, four assists, seven rebounds, seven of 15 from the field. He got to the line for eight of eight. That was what, that really drives that efficiency. That really helps lift the Raptors through some of the slower starts or the malaise of some lineups, being able to get to the line, guarantee some points, and then kind of clamp on the other end super, super well. Uh, super good and ends up at a plus 14 just leading the team basically in all facets tonight super big deal uh, other interesting stats Schroeder I think before entering the fourth quarter had 12 assists I thought that was a bit odd I've kind of noticed the Raptors this season uh, it's maybe the same thing with Indiana with Hal Burton they're very um, friendly with how they mark assists I should say but Dennis finishes with eight points 12 assists six rebounds Pascal 22 points, nine rebounds, three assists, a steal. OG, 13 points, three steals, one assist, three boards. Uh, the big three-point shot late, a couple three-point shots early. And most importantly, OG was responsible for a lot of the point-of-attack defense that uh, really helped change how the Suns were trying to initiate. He toggled between KD and Booker and played like full-court, in-your-face defense, deny defense against both of them. Did a wonderful job funneling these guys into the help. Did a really good job of helping to suppress the shot attempts and making them, hey, if you want to get the shots up, for example, like KD ends up going 11 for 30, you got to take a lot of jumpers and a lot of mid-range jumpers. You want to impact the game, here's the avenue to do it, KD. But I'm going to have a hand in the face and I'm going to be there contesting it. Really great stuff from OG. Uh, Pascal had quite a few really great possessions on KD as well. Scotty, I think, had a couple really nice ones on Devin Booker. Booker, it looked like he tweaked his ankle halfway through the game. I think he stepped on Schroeder up in the hula blue that was going on after a rebound. Either Schroeder or Gary, I can't remember. He goes two for 12. Uh, KD was in a position where he's trying to carry this offense. I know Nurkic finishes with like eight and or he finishes with 19, 14 and six. Some of these assists you're just handing off to a guy like Kevin Durant. You can get a lot of assists handing off to Kevin Durant. And Nurkic, while he did score some, you know, cleaning up some stuff, sure. Uh, a lot of the laydowns, a couple like pinch post actions where he's able to like kind of spin off a guy, 
clear space with the elbow, tuck them behind, extend to the rim. That's great. But uh, uh, not his best. That was one of the least impactful, I think, uh, 19, 14, and six games I've seen. And the two blocks late, both on Pascal, uh, the one just like straight up stopping him in air after the cut baseline. And the other one pinned it on the glass, like as close timing as LeBron's on Iguodala. It's just like, you're talking about milliseconds to clear it. And um, yeah, a couple nice blocks late. But uh, I think that Pirtle actually got the better of the matchup. As crazy as it might sound to say like the guy who had 17-4-1 versus 19-14-6. Maybe I'm being like a little bit ridiculous. I don't know. But I didn't think, I thought that they played maybe to a draw. You could give it to, most people will look at this and say that Nurkic won. Obviously, his stat line is way crazier. Uh, yeah, uh, damn it, 81 says KD got nutmegged hard. He certainly did, man. Uh, Dennis, right in transition, slipped that thing right through there. It's pretty great. Super fun. Um, this this game was a really good exercise in the Raptors. They, again, beat a team that's like, well, they've struggled with size, as most teams who don't shoot the three ball very well do. And the Suns give up a little bit of size in some places. And KD, well, actually, I'll tell you this much. Scotty helped quell that. Uh, the Raptors, for a lot of this game, you know, Pascal is leading the team in shot attempts because he's dip and ducking kind of around, trying to get to spots on the floor, some of the softer spots, and get to the mid-range, trying to roll off a guy and get to the bucket, trying to just produce offense, work their way, draw a second helper, dump down to Jakob. He's 8 of 9, right? And obviously running some pick and roll with Schroeder and Jakob, getting offense that way. But that physicality that the Raptors faced last night against Brooklyn, where you have guys like Michael Bridges, Nick Claxton, a host of guys between like 6'6 and 6'10 who are digging in against them and playing pretty good defense, both as like help side guys and as primary defenders, both Siakam and Barnes struggled against that length. And they come, they kind of combined to beat up on them. And they played really like they, their shot making in the paint was really tough. Scotty is like, I'm going to bypass a lot of this by being the biggest, baddest dude in a lot of these situations. He's not bigger than Jakob. He's not bigger than Nurkic and he's not going to bully them. But you see like Eubanks or Nurkic get left behind. Scotty has that nose for transition. He's like, I'm just going to push the rim. If people show up in my lane, maybe I'll take it a little bit wider, but I still need to get there at the end. If he misses a shot, He's pursuing his own rebound like a maniac, putting it back up and in. That's why like 7 for 15, nothing to write home about, but he got to the line. He pursued space, and it was a really impressive performance. And a lot of it came late. He's really driving the Raptors offense late. He's a huge motivator of what's working defensively. Uh, this was one of the better games as far as his work on the perimeter. Uh, yes, he got back cut for like four baskets, but if you're playing denied defense on KD, guess what? That's going to happen. If you're playing deny defense on, on Devin Booker, that's going to happen. They're going to try and run corner offense. They're going to bring a guy over with the handoff, and they're going to try and initiate that kind of stuff. That's going to happen. Uh, I thought that Barnes had a really good defensive game. The three blocks, a couple of them just came up huge, man. He had that one possession where he's doing like that schoolyard stuff to Booker. He's doing like the twitch, like he's going to go grab at it. Uh, and then he switches off. I think Eric Gordon gets on. Barnes gets the step on Barnes. Malachi shifts over. Barnes is still pursuing. Ball goes up. Pins it off the glass. Super impressive. There's quite a few different plays. You could just like walk through that Scotty did a hell of a job. The pull up three was really nice to see. I know he only went one of three tonight, but God, if Pascal could shoot 33% in the game, that would be something, man. One for five for Pascal again. And here's the thing. I think Pascal played pretty well. I would have liked to see Pascal finish some of those possessions late, but sometimes there's really good defense at the rim. And Nurkic got up for a couple, was able to affect it. Pascal got a put back after missing like two shots the one time. But nine for 21, you would have liked to see, based on a shot chart, a game like this, maybe like between 11 and 12 makes it's a tough game there's a lot of length being put out there and certainly one of five from three it's i'm crossing my fingers man that this turns around he's too young 
and he's too healthy for this to just be for his three point shot to be going from around like 31 to 35% down to 20%. I that's it seems nonsensical. Um it's uh it's something we we we're all hoping turns around and certainly has the track record to suggest that it's not going to be elite from here on out but perhaps passable. Uh Scotty though another if we want to talk about jump shots providing that pull up threat one of three it doesn't spell how he's able to manipulate with his jumper he airballed his first three whatever he keeps putting them up he keeps trying to make it work in the mid-range it's better if he takes a step in and gets the short mid-range sure but we're seeing him still try and work with that jumper uh i i loved scotty's approach tonight it took a little bit longer in this game because the suns they switched a bunch of actions that didn't include nurkic and so Scotty is looking at a switch. Like we saw that possession late that Pascal got cal- called for the loose ball foul. Like he tried to ISO on KD. It didn't go well. He was kind of static. No- nothing is really happening. It's tough from a standstill to beat the Suns. And you want to get a lot of stuff going. That's why Shooter had so many assists tonight. Now, 12, yes. Were they all like, you know, really great assists, advantage assists? I'm not, I'm not so sure about that, but... uh. I thought that Scotty, given the difficulties that the Suns defense presented and the fact that some of them were similar to what we saw against the Cavs and what we saw against uh, who they play last night. How am I forgetting this already? The Nets. Uh, some of the some of the difficulties or strengths of those defenses are aligned. And uh, Scotty, I think, was taking in that data over the past couple of games. He found it. After the second half in this game, you know, there was some passive play from him. Uh, maybe, and some people might look at that and say, I don't like how he's being used. That's fine too. Uh, basically, he found a way, and it was with really aggressive play where he attacked the basket mercilessly and with a frenetic pace and flexed on everybody on his way there. It was super, super impressive. Um, and yeah, just to talk about, um, I guess, Gary, I could talk about too. Gary, I thought was really impressive on a five for 13 night. It's tough to say it, but if the Raptors are going to get like 22 from Pascal, 13 from OG, 17 from Jakob, 23 from Scotty, and they're going to play good defense, getting 13 on 13 shots from Gary, one point per possession, basically, uh, you can live with that. That's good enough. He just needs to reward some of these when the Raptors are able to like when Pascal takes it on Utah deep into the paint and he gets three guys collapsed on him and he makes that push pass out above the break to Gary and Gary cans it. You need the offense to be rewarded on those possessions. Just flat out. That's exactly how it needs to happen because if you can't get rewarded on those possessions, then there's not much you can do as an NBA offense. You're like, I made everyone react sink and shots had to be made. Hell yeah, Gary makes it. And on a few occasions, he had three made threes tonight. Same thing with OG. Like, Scotty, he didn't really collapse the floor, but he's going down the left wing, passes out to Scotty, or pass out to OG. OG with KD in his face, cashes that three. He doesn't shoot to miss, folks. Super big. Um, Precious Achua, 5 for 10. He hit that 1-3. When the Scotty plus bench lineups have looked better, it's typically included a Precious 3, and a Scotty three during that run. They met both of those conditions tonight. They got the Scotty three and the Precious three. On top of that too, Precious, he had 10 boards, six offensive. The Raptors during some of those in-between lineups are really trying to get a lot of extra possessions. And that helps Scotty too, to kind of like hang around the rim, bang around with Precious too, and try and make something work. Precious ends up tonight, 14 points, 10 boards. And, and two steals i like precious this is why i got asked last night boucher didn't really play that much he played less than three minutes in this game but i got asked last night why did precious play ahead of boucher and i said because precious typically can allow you to play a really aggressive switching defense and he's not going to give up anything like precious's defensive stretches are so impressive when he's on And when the Raptors are like, okay, we have a really good unit. The best precious minutes are always really strong defensive ones. Yes, he made the three tonight. Uh, But the most important things that he brings and you hope that are more consistent is that 
defensive punch and like six offensive rebounds in this game is insane. Uh, super, super impressive from him. I reckon Precious gets the chain tonight, if I had to guess. It seems to be handing being handed around so that they eventually want to get it to like everybody on the roster. Precious, 18 minutes, plus six, 14 and 10, two steals, had an assist as well. Hard to imagine he won't be the one getting it. So stay tuned with Dennis Schroeder's uh, Instagram because I think he's usually the one who uh, who ends up posting it. Uh, C4C says Precious Redemption Arc. I hope people aren't too low on Precious. Uh, I think that Precious can do a lot of things really well and he needs to stay within himself more often, certainly. And he certainly does have limitations, but... Um, I hope he's not already at the point where it's like redemption, but uh, I hope that this run of play continues and I hope that they're not undercut by, you know, games like the tough games where he has a tough time fitting in defensively and a tough time uh, fitting in on offense, which the offense is always going to be a little bit tough. He would be like, I just remember the end of the 2022 season where he was for like a 24 game stretch. He was shooting almost five three-point attempts per 36. He was He's a bench player slash starter at that point in time. Um, it was like 3.6 catch-and-shoot attempts per game, shot like 44% across 24 games. It's a decent sample size. Was like doing the great like pump-and-go stuff. We all see how athletic he is. His defense was sublime. That run of play really was what set the expectation for precious and he hasn't met that expectation uh, as far as play since then which is tough um he's had to deal with injuries he's had to deal with a changing team and certainly he's had to deal with a shrinking and shrinking role i it's really important that he makes it work as a backup five slash four uh i love when he and scotty can make it work when they share the floor together that's awesome uh just Really great game from Precious. I hope that this is a continued run of play. Uh, maybe to keep it on the centers, I thought that Jakob was also, I know I talked about him a little bit earlier, but Jakob really helped control a lot of the game in the middle. Uh, it's hard, this Suns team, to hold them to 105. Uh, if I can go look at their the half-court points per play, 84 points per 100 possessions. The Raptors, 107.6. Some of that is, of course, helped by Scotty going turbulent, late in the game and really helping lift the Raptors. But the Raptors, even prior to that, were doing a pretty good job of grinding their way to baskets. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's something good. Uh, to keep it on Precious, YG7 says, not to rain on the Precious parade, but isn't he a free agent? He's a restricted free agent. So if any team wants to give Precious like a whole bunch of money, the Raptors can just match it and Precious won't leave. So I, Precious, I think, is probably going to be back with the Raptors. Uh, it, he would have to get like a very, very big bag from another team to make the Raptors say no. Um, where That's quite different from Pascal, OG, and Gary, though, who are all, um, uh, who are all unrestricted. So, good game. Very fun game. Scotty definitely leading the team in this one. And while the Raptors, they stayed afloat and Precious... And like a bunch of guys helped contribute to that, of course. That was great to see, obviously. But Scotty comes along and lifts up lineups that typically lose minutes so that the Raptors starters can get rest. The Raptors starters in this game, I think, played 21 and a half minutes. They were out there for 84 possessions. They won those 21 minutes by six points. Uh, some of that is the late stuff. Uh, but as far as like Gary, Jalen McDaniels, Precious, Malachi, Scotty. We got six minutes of that lineup. 19 points scored, 13 points against. Another big stretch where they win. These are a lot of things that are working, okay? This is what you really want to work for this team. Uh, this You always want your starters to win minutes. If your starters can't win minutes, you're working from the, behind the eight ball, no matter what, all the time. And on top of that, uh, if you can win minutes when a lot of your starters are off the floor, i.e. Scotty plus bench, and they did win them tonight, then you're in the money. And the Raptors have been able to win minutes too 
with Scotty and OG off the floor as well so far this season. So you have a method to get guys rest and to not tank minutes and lose games during those times. Typically, Scotty plus bench, Scotty plus bench has lost minutes. Uh, it's tough to carry that much. It's uh, it's tough, man. But in a game like tonight, it works. They win those minutes. They're completely essential to the outcome. Awesome to see. I see everyone's always arguing about Scotty and Pascal in the comments. I wonder if you guys watch the game or enjoy it. You, I mean, it's it's like the the same thing every night. Uh, they just beat the Suns, people, and Scotty was great. And Pascal took the offensive usage that was coming to him, helped supply stuff in the early part of the game, and then he played off of Scotty late. Scotty took over. I just like hell yeah, that's what you want to see. Obviously, you want to see Pascal not get blocked at the rim twice. That was tough, but the cuts off ball that was good. Scotty being the initiator that was good. I'm really happy with this game. Uh, there's always ebbs and flow, always ebbs and flow in usage, and it's uh yeah, it's tough. OG3 says fans don't watch basketball anymore; they watch players. Uh, that's uh. That's true to some degree. I talked about this last time. Cat R says, is the 0.5 second offense dead? Seems like they've gone away from it. I explained this a lot at the start of the season, but 0.5 offense isn't an offense. Just as a reminder, 0.5 offense is a guiding principle played in other offenses. For the high-low that the Scotty scored on at the start or got fouled on at the start of the game from... I. Jakob passing down to him that was off of a slice screen right so that's an action that's offense the Raptors a lot of the high low action they run is out of the Princeton offense school of plays they run a ton of stuff that features like uh, wedge screens they run a ton of flex they run all this different type of stuff and they try and get this north south north south passing going and they also run a ton of pick and roll and they you know, they run screens to get into their pick and roll. They'll run stagger. They'll run a lot of different types. But 0.5 offense, basically all it means is that you make quick decisions. And Darko, as much as he says it, and he got to explain it on like a 20-second thing to start this season, he didn't invent it. And I, I said this before when I wrote about this at Summer League, but the Cavs coach, I believe it was Jarrett Jack was on the sideline yelling 0 0.5, 0 0.5, 0 0.5 to his team. Um, it's a bit of marketing that everybody is talking about the 0.5 offense so much. It just means make quick decisions. Sometimes the Raptors aren't creating advantages and a quick decision when the ball is just sticking around the perimeter doesn't create anything for the offense. It doesn't create anything for anybody. Um, a slow, deliberate play can be a lot more effective than a quick play where nothing happens. You don't get downhill. You don't beat your defender. Nothing like that. Um, and the Raptors have been trying to find the right mix of off-ball cutting, the right mix of strong, deliberate plays, all that kind of stuff. OG3 says 0.5 offense is like saying physical defense, basically. Yeah, it's kind of just like, bah, word vomit to some degree. Uh, you'll hear any coach say it. You'll hear a ton of coaches say it. Um C4C says we use the checks mix offense, a little bit of everything, LOL. Yeah, there's a ton of plays left over from the nurse playbook, like a, a ton, a ton. Even Jam Amalalela, he diagrammed the play on screen and the Raptors ran it and scored off of it, which was cool. But that was also a play that was here last year. The NBA has a lot of shared plays there. You can track plays back like the lineage. Caitlin Cooper has a really great uh, piece that she wrote about a Kobe Bryant game winner that ended up being used for an Indiana game winner called WTF. And we all know what that stands for, but plays, they have a lineage and the Raptors, a lot of their plays have lineage and they've been run with the Raptors for a long time. The thing that they don't do very often anymore, that used to be like a big time uh, set in the early nurse offense was the hammer, the hammer play. I love the hammer play. Um, as far as, uh, Samuel Barefoot says Princeton offense, meaning Princeton University, are all of the major offensive mythologies from college ball or sorry, methodologies. A lot of them do get that because uh, I think that coaches at the high school level when basketball was just coming up didn't get to decide terminology. And then college coaches do get to decide terminology. That's why you get like the, the UCLA cut right? You get all these different types of things. 
um, there is a lot of power in collegiate basketball, however many years ago. And so a lot of the essential stuff got associated with coaches who were there or the schools that ran them. And then that school of that tree of like plays and stuff like that just stuck around. Um, you know, Nesta says if Grady can use his footwork to create the space needed for the space on the Iverson cut, hell yeah, his size would allow him to get a shot off. So here's the thing, right? You can be a popular enough player and kind of stylize a cut or a style of offense to yourself. Like there's the there's triangle concepts, for example. That's because of the shape you play out of the three man actions. But as you can see, Nesta's just said an Iverson cut, which is where there's a player on each top of the, like each corner of the key, the 45, and you cut across the top of both of them. The Raptors run a ton of Iverson loop, which is a play where you curl around those two, go to the rim, and it'll be a high-low entry from Yaka Pertl to one of Pascal or OG or Scotty. And that's a, a tweak on the Iverson cut, which Iverson made super, super popular with, I believe, Larry Brown. And then also, like, the hammer is based off of a guy named Darvin Ham who played, I, I think it was George Carl was the coach. I can't remember. But Darvin Ham was the guy they would run the hammer screen for all, all the time. And then so, you know, because Ham, Hammer, it was called the hammer screen. And then there's like different types of cuts. There's, you know, a Hawk cut isn't named after anybody, but there's a Wade cut, and that's off of Dwayne Wade. There's a Maggetti cut, which is based off of Corey Maggetti. So there's like so many interesting things. Um, and Richard Pilsky says college coaches still experiment more to this day. Certainly, uh, there's a lot of experimentation at college level and there's a ton of experimentation in uh, Europe. Uh, Jonathan says you got to talk about Garfunkel. I used to do a podcast with uh, Evan Gualberto, who is the very best. And we would uh, basically break down a bunch of different NBA games every week. And we'd actually break down the plays that th they were doing and the matchups and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Damn it. 81 says the Danny green cut as well. Yes. Uh, we saw that when he was on the Raptors too. Great, great call out, but we would break down plays and we found a new one that hadn't been named yet. And so we called it the Garfunkel. And so some EuroLeague coaches and some college coaches actually call the play that, well, I gave it the Garfunkel name. Evan discovered it. So we did it together. And uh, some people call like a Garfunkel and we actually have a shirt, which never got released, but we have a shirt that diagrams the, the Garfunkel. But anyway, that's a bit of a, a sidewinder there. So basically all this to say the Raptors are still running a lot of the 0.5 basketball principles, uh, but quick passes aren't necessarily the best passes. Scotty, you know, having a play where he's, you know, probing the defense for like three seconds with a live dribble and then finds and like gets a step and makes a read to the corner. That's good, but that's not 0.5 basketball. You get my meaning? Uh, or, or maybe if the guy makes a really quick read off of Scotty's advantage, then you could say it's 0.5. But just passing quickly for the sake of passing quickly is, is not anything good. Uh, so certainly that's kind of, uh, I guess, my, my thoughts on that. Um, but anyway, so... Slow-mo says, do you want to actually talk about Raptors game or just hear yourself talk? Hey, brother, I've been doing this for years, man. I got to tell you, I've spent a lot of time talking about the Raptors, like heaps and heaps and heaps. Uh, more hours than I can even bear. I've spent a lot of time talking about the Raptors. And I do this job because I want to talk about the Raptors. But sorry, I spent uh, four minutes talking about plays around the NBA and uh, I guess... Uh, the etymology of plays. Uh, but honestly, brother, uh, you're watching me. You probably don't like me that much. There's other stuff you can listen to. My apologies. But hey, I'm just here talking. We're all here to talk about the game. Okay, let's talk about another fun, fun lineup. So we got Pascal, Gary, Precious, Malachi, and Scotty. This is a big one. Why? Because again, Scotty in this game, and not, I know sometimes you can talk too much about one player. But in a game like tonight, I think that Scotty did such a good job in basically every lineup that he is in of motivating wins. And I love seeing these different lineups that work together and do different things, right? And they succeed at different things. Pascal and Scotty have typically had a tough time without OG trying to make it work because where is the shooting? 
But Scotty, in a game like tonight, as I talked about at the start, being able to overpower guys with his physicality and get to spots on the floor, really impressive. I love when you look at these this lineup data. And, of course, lineup data can it could swing wildly from place to place. But you see a guy like Scotty able to motivate every single lineup he touches on a certain night for wins, whether it's, you know, laden with talent like the starters are relative to the rest of the team, right? Or whether it's a team that's, or a lineup that's like Gary, Jalen, Precious, Malachi, plus Scotty, the shot making, putting on the hard hat, helping them, guiding them to winning minutes. And also, this is something that like Pascal's defense is not at the same level that it was in, let's say, 2020 or 2019. I still think Pascal's been a positive defender this year. I liked Pascal's defense. I don't think he's a negative. Some people might try to argue that. Um, no problem with that, but I think he's been a positive. Scotty, it's really awesome to watch him expend a ton of energy on defense and then also give you so much on offense. This is This is one of the coolest things about young stars. We can already see it happen with... Jason Tatum, for example, where Jason Tatum is a little bit less effective defensively now than he was like two years ago. Jason Tatum is maybe outputting a little bit less effort on defense now than he was a couple years ago. And Scotty is currently in that young star little bubble where you're you're there defensively. Like you're, he's not a perfect defender. Phoenix Plaisy is saying he still sucks at the point of attack. I wouldn't say sucks. He struggles at some things at the point of attack. Um, and he had a, a couple of really nice possessions at the point of attack tonight. And he's giving you so much on that end, playing this excellent, excellent help side defense. And also on top of that, he's giving you tons of work offensively. He had to find his way to it in this game. But once he found it, he was dragging lineups with him to winning minutes. He was dragging them to winning minutes on both sides of the floor. Uh, the S tier help defender, though, I love that comment. Scotty is incredibly, incredibly impressive when he gets to work within his instincts. He's a very quick jumper. I remember shortly after he got drafted, they sent a picture of his workout and, you know, the, the pre-draft workouts. And Scotty's grabbing the ball, dunk. He's right under the rim. It's like grab ball, dunk, dunk, dunk. Just seeing, like, how quick is that jump? How quick is your second jump? How good is your stamina to keep going up? And that is a skill that translates to the other side of the floor. It's like, well, if you're going to be popping up in close proximity to guys, you want to be a quick jumper. You don't want to slow load because then they're going to get to the glass before you. They're going to beat you in the air. And Scotty is a guy who like very quickly gets off his, off his feet, does an awesome, awesome job of that. And he's also got a wingspan that goes forever. He's got a great nose, great little sniffer for where to be on the court at the bottom. And uh, I thought it was awesome, man. He had a really great sense of where to be defensively tonight. You want to talk about point of attack stuff? He doesn't have the foot speed. Uh, there's like high hip stuff that happens as well, trying to keep up with guys. Being bendy around screens, he can get caught. Certainly that happens, but not every defender can do everything. Uh, Bam is one of the only guys who truly does that. OG is one of the only guys who truly does that. And Scotty, when you can keep him in the bottom of the defense, he can be such an effective um, defensive playmaker. Um, Scotty got the chain. Cool. Good for Scotty. I thought that Precious would get it, but hell yeah. Good for Scotty. And uh, from KO uh, or Co, do you genuinely believe Scotty's been all defense this season? Uh, the first handful of games, the defensive playmaking was at such a level that I thought that he. If he had kept that up, like the stocks numbers, there's no way you could turn it away. There's no way you could ever say he hasn't brought all defensive level stuff. If a guy's sitting at almost like four stocks a game, uh, he's going to make an all defense team, I reckon. That's that's what I was thinking earlier on in the season. At this point, uh, Scotty, if if he's like as effective as he's been from this point until the rest of the season, uh, he probably doesn't make an all defense team. But like, that's the thing too, is you have to, it's the reason why, you know, OG didn't make an all defensive team early on because you have to first get your rep up and then you have to establish your rep and then you have to keep playing really good defense. And then you have to wait for one of the guys who has the rep already to fall off a little bit, lose it. And then you can enter that. It's like, there's 
I don't know, all defense impact, there's like 22, like 17 to 22 guys every year who are in the vicinity. And then there's like three or four guys who are just clear cut in the maybe, let's say, defensive player of the year conversation. And then a lot of other people, there's like reputation and there's just depends on what the writers see, what have they been exposed to, and that impacts a lot of it. It, it is a popularity contest because a lot of people don't know how to watch defense and a lot of people don't know what to look for defensively in the stats. And that's also why I said Scotty will make an all-defensive team if he just puts up four stocks because um, I can't remember who it was, but a Boston writer, however many years ago, voted Andre Drummond for Defensive Player of the Year because he saw that he had blocks and rebounds. And he was like, oh, that's good defense. Um, if Scotty had maintained that, there you go. Uh, a couple questions uh, says, how do you explain, uh, then explain Matisse Teibel? And then from James, why does Evan Mobley get such high defensive player cred? So there's a couple things. Uh, Evan Mobley was considered one of the best defensive prospects of the past like 15 years coming out of the draft. And he was really good defensively early, uh, like really good. I think he is incubated by Jared Allen to some degree. And I think Evan Mobley also... He represents a lot of what people think the future of defense is at the big position, like a long springy guy who can range as a help side guy or who can hold his own in space against like isolations. He does that kind of stuff, but that, that helped a lot. And people just talked about him like nonstop, uh, how players are talked about is oftentimes different than what's actually happening, I find. Um, Evan Mobley is an egg. Good. Uh, this isn't a hate on Evan Mobley thing. Uh, maybe I'm in. I'm incorrectly inviting some slander his way. But anyway, Evan, I think, was... Uh, yeah, Phoenix says uh, the poster child for defensive versatility plus impact is Bam. Certainly, uh, but Evan's bigger and was a more highly touted prospect. So he had a ton of credit coming into it. And then he was good defensively in a way that most rookies aren't. And I think like people just latched onto it. Um, you'd be surprised by how much uh, like a big piece on a defender can change if the right national people read it. Uh, you, you can really affect a vote, all, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then Tybal, I always, always hated the Tybal stuff. I never thought he was that good as a defender. I think that he is a good defender, but I think that he was just lucky in some sense to play that rover position. And he was a hell of a defensive playmaker, yes, but he was also a guy that when the defense got quieted down, he had to navigate screens without being just like a rear view contest guy. When he had to guard in isolation or in space, I thought that he really underwhelmed all this kind of stuff. And I thought that his rep as one of the 10 best defenders in the world was unearned. It's uh, it's tough, man. Uh, I didn't think that Tybal uh, deserved it, but that's fine. I think Tybal is still a positive defender. He's obviously in a different spot now in his career. Um, Andre says Jonathan Isaac used to be a problem. Boy, did he ever. He still is to some degree, although he like works for the Daily Wire or something now, which has been a crazy turn uh, for his career. He does a lot of uh, public speaking on politics and um, wants to sway a lot of the voting in the States, which is kind of crazy. Um, okay, James says OJ sh OG should have been all defense two years ago. I think, yeah, OG should have been the all defense in 2020. Um, OG3 says Tybo was a passing lane merchant. Uh, that's kind of like, that's similar to my thoughts on it, although that's the very quick way of saying it. Uh, yeah, certainly. Okay, from K from KO Co. Rank as defender in their prime: Suggs, Mobley, or Scotty. I think that Suggs probably is going to be the best guard defender in the league for like one or two years. He's really good. He's so athletic. He's just gives a shit, man. And uh, his technique is really, really strong. Mobley, I think, is going to be a very, very good defender for a long time. The length, the ranginess. He's going to continue putting on weight, which will affect some of the ranginess, but will help him bang around, close out possessions, 
um, get some of those big beefy boy blocks that Nurkic got on Pascal late in this game, which, you know, Scotty has less of a problem with the big beefy boys than, than Pascal does. So it was nice that Scotty found the, the answer in this game, whereas Pascal was kind of trying to find the finesse answer. Scotty eventually was just like, let me shoulder my way in there and figure it out. And then Scotty as a defender, I don't, ah, I don't want to rank them. I just, they're three really great players and I don't know how to rank them or to, I think any one of those guys could end up on an all defense team and only 10 of them, only 10 guys get selected every single year. Um, is it a Homer opinion to think OG is the best non-big defender in the league? I don't think so because it's kind of like there is, as far as defensive impact, a lot of people think that impact is easiest to come by defensively as a big. And I think that's true to some degree, but you have less defensive versatility as a big and wing, a really good defensive wing is a guy who will close on any team. We see teams like Pirtle has really turned it around defensively. He closed tonight, but a lot of teams like, well, Jakob will get left out of the starting line or the closing lineup a ton of times because of the versatility they want to play with. That will never happen to OG. Um, Rudy Gobert conceivably could get played off the floor for some lineups, right? We've seen that happen before. That just won't happen to OG. And part of that is OG shooting threes on the other side of it. But I think that OG is probably, like, I don't mind saying that, the best non-big defender. But there's like there's like four guys who are in the conversation for that. Um, Oris Fear says Scotty's third because he'll be asked to carry an offense. Suggs and Mobley will have a better shot at defensive player of the year. That's probably true, actually. Uh, that's really insightful. I, I think I agree with that. Phoenix Plays E also says that the best guard defender equals Caruso. Best wing defender is OG. Best big defender is Gobert. And if you want all three of those things, you have Bam Adebayo. I think, yeah, that's a really great way to kind of distill the conversation. Uh, I agree with that. And OG isn't carrying you to a top three defense like Gobert's. That's probably true as well. Um, really impressive game, though. We've kind of been just talking about like, hey, defenders are good for a little bit. Um, Richard Pilsky says ben, Simmon, ben Simmons was great when he was healthy. Boy, howdy, was he ever, man. He is such an impressive defender. Um, I guess let's center this back. Um, we got Malachi Flynn, Jalen McDaniels, Chris Boucher. We'll focus on those three. Here's the interesting thing. Not Malachi's best game. 0 for 3 from downtown. However, he helped jumpstart a lot of transition possessions by grabbing defensive rebounds. He ended up with only one assist, and he somehow ended up as a plus 9. This is not to go back to this thing, but hey... Scotty Barnes, this is kind of something that happened early on in the season was when Scotty was shooting so well from three, so well from the mid range, and he was scoring like 30% of his points in transition and pushing so often. Uh, he was helping carry lineups. Like if you played with Scotty, you'd win minutes. And Malachi, this was not his best game, not remotely, but he wins minutes. Why? You just hop on the big old bot, the big old Scotty boat, and he will guide you through a storm. Uh, it seems I keep coming back to that, but Scotty, that finish was really impressive. Um, Orosphere says, do we have a rational explanation for McDaniel's minutes? I think last night is a good example. Obviously, that game didn't end the way the way the Raptors wanted it to, but McDaniel's had a pretty good game yesterday. There was all the hallmarks of like a Jalen McDaniel's game, right? There's defensive playmaking. I think he had a steal in two blocks. He hit a three. He had a couple nice cuts to the rim. He was forming up to drives. That's what you would want, right? That's what you would expect. And he got another look tonight because, you know, inertia. They wanted to see what it looked like. And I suspect in this game, they thought Boucher, just because of the switching they wanted to do, and the likelihood of Boucher getting stuck on a guy like Booker or getting stuck on a guy like KD or even getting stuck on a guy like Goodwin who, will, who can probably beat him off the bounce. Uh, it's that's probably why McDaniel's got the look. I still like Boucher much better as a bench option, um, but Boucher is a guy who can swing wildly based on the coverages or the personnel on the other team from a coach's decision did not play to playing like 22 minutes in a game. Uh, you just have to be able to find the pulse of the team, both teams, and try and find the right uh, setting for Boucher. I think that this is a good call that Boucher didn't get many minutes tonight, but I'm looking forward to the games where, you know, Boucher inevitably is going to make a rather large impact. Um, we talked about OG, Pascal, Jakob, Scotty. 
Dennis, uh, 12 assists. I kind of hated the shots he took tonight. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. He got stuck because they were playing drop against him with Nurkic and, and Eubanks. And he got stuck in a ton of like 12 to 9 foot push shots. And he missed all of them. And he did hit a three in the corner. That was nice. And he did end up with 12 assists. Some of these are just like the Raptors are moving through the motion, the framework of the offense. He's just giving a guy the ball. He's not really creating advantage. But uh, that's nice to see. But yeah, the the shot making in this game and the decision making that led to a lot of the shots he took, I was like, damn, that's not very good. Um, Pascal in a game like this, I loved a lot of the shots that Pascal took, especially late, cutting off the ball when the defense is engaged on another guy. And unfortunately, not being able to finish. Uh, you really need to be able to finish these plays. Um, they ended up winning. So, hey, it's just a short little thing. Pascal has finished those plays in other games. Uh, Nesta and OG3 say give him the respect for the nutmeg. The nutmeg, yes, that's true. That was pretty sick. And a good finish from Pascal. Dunked it. Uh, nutmeg was pretty sick. Yeah. It's just like, good for you, Dennis. Nice little nutmeg. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What else are we trying to talk about? Not that much, right? I know, like, I know it's, I used, when I was doing these non-live stream ones, the reaction podcast was like 15 minutes to like 25. It would maybe go 30 if there was a big game. Now I'm talking to you guys for like an hour every time. And we're not talking about the game the whole time, obviously. We're just talking basketball and I'm just, you know, obviously we're just going back and forth. But uh, yeah, I think we've talked about that game as far as as much as we need to anything anything cool coverage wise the raptors switched a lot and when they were playing Jakob, he played really good at the level he maintained the middle super well that's a nice continuation across like quite a few games that's three games in a row where i think Jakob has been super super impressive uh like playing the middle he had a lot of trouble earlier on in the season setting the edge without allowing the split and that like that's tough because you you as the big you have to be able to do that to set the edge without allowing the split and it's tough to know exactly where that is based on each player and that's somewhat informed by your defender your second guy who's defending the ball handler but as the games have gone on like yes dame was able to do it but donovan mitchell wasn't and i don't think that's just the personnel on the other team i think that's Jakob doing a better job of knowing where to set the edge to turn it wide. And as far as like turning it downhill, if a guy is going to split, make sure they go wide the other way, snaking it. That stuff is really important. Um, Co and James, a couple Pascal things, uh, says, talk about your favorite potential Pascal trade packages from Co and then from James Sorison. Is Pascal a good defender? I think Pascal's been a positive defender this season good uh good is just to look at a guy and say he's a good defender i think pascal has been a good defender for a long time i think he has played a lot of minutes the past few seasons has dealt with injuries you can see a little bit of athletic decline that's affected it and there's also like some mental lapses as well and uh it's been tough for him but in spite of all those things i think he still grades out as positive and I like saying positive instead of like good because I just like saying positive because it means that a guy can exist in positive defensive units and he's not going to crater positive defensive units, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, everyone wants to talk Pascal trade packages. You guys are crazy. They just beat the Suns, which doesn't mean that Pascal isn't going to be traded or that Pascal isn't or that Pascal is going to resign or anything like that. But. You know, they just beat the Suns. That's that's fun. That's good. Pascal pretty, played pretty well in this game, I think, anyway. Um, and yeah, Andre says, well, every stream has a trade question. Certainly it does. Um, everybody loves trades. This is something I don't talk about very often on, like, the weekly podcast or anything like that. Um, I don't typically like talking about trades that much because you, you have to do, like, uh, a lot of legwork to figure out the cap. And I don't want to be a lot of media members what they do is they uh they'll just like put out trades that aren't legal that can't happen and i haven't familiarized myself with all the other i guess players on the other teams who are 
trade eligible by like January 15th or December 15th who are, you know, fitting under certain rules like the Stepien can come into play. There's like a whole bunch of stuff like that. And uh, that's like, man, it's it's tough to navigate all that. Um, Nesta says, use Blake as your cap guy. Yeah, I'm not at Blake's house this time, though. Uh, so I can't just ask him. And he also, he hates that stuff. <laughs> I think a lot of people use Blake. Like, I only did it during the stream. But I think a lot of people use Blake as Google. Uh, or just like a type and get stuff said back, uh, which is maybe not fair to him. Also, can I say something quite earnest? Um, I won't say the full name, but after I had the seizure, uh, somebody named Trevor, he transferred me money, expecting me not being able to work. And that was incredibly kind. Thank you very much. But I am okay. And I have been working. Trevor, just request that money back if you're listening to this. Uh, and, and thank you very much. Uh, just the gesture is incredibly kind. But I, I have been working and I didn't have to take anything off and Raptors Republic would look after me anyway, but that's an incredibly kind gesture. Just if the Trevor who sent me that money is listening, um, just request that money back, please. Um, yeah, that feels like 50 minutes of talk. Uh, you know what I mean? It's lots of basketball and I don't want to do the, the Pascal trade talk again. Um, oh, here's one from solar tier. What does Grady need to do to return? So, Grady needs to hit shots. Grady does a lot of things. I, You know, I was on the Raptor show yesterday before the game with Blake. We talked about Grady for like 10 minutes maybe because Blake had talked to Grady down in Mississauga at the 905 game. Uh, and also uh, Grady had talked to Blake about like a, a number of things, but also, of course, that he he didn't actually tweak his jump shot, that he's just getting reminders of good jump shot physical things to remember while he's doing them but that's the only difference from Kansas to the Raptors he said his jump shot is the same as when he and his mother worked on it when he was like what in grade eight or eight years old I can't remember exactly what that is um Grady has to hit shots everything he does that is considered a positive and better than what most shooters can do whether it's the rebounding the cutting the secondary playmaking all that kind of stuff Grady certainly is a big positive in those areas, but only if he gets to work off of an effective jump shot. And we have not really seen an effective jump shot. And so he doesn't really get to work off of that stuff. So instead of it being a big deal when he puts the ball down, like breaks into the second layer of the defense and then makes a great read, he's facing a set defense because they're not giving him a heavy closeout and he tries to put the ball down and he turns the ball over. So he needs to hit shots. And I'm not super worried about Grady. I would have liked to see Grady hit shots coming straight out of the draft. That would have been great, obviously. I would have liked to see a lot of things. But does this run of play make me think that suddenly Grady can't shoot or that he doesn't shoot at the NBA level? I don't think so. And maybe this makes some people think like, oh, he's probably not the level of shooter that we thought. That's probably okay. Um, but he's going to be a factor from downtown. He's going to be a factor as a shooter over the course of his career. If he isn't, that is a crazy fall off. Crazy, crazy fall off. Um, YG7 says, no disrespect to Grady, but Hawkins is looking like the best shooter out of this draft. Yeah, I've talked about this a few times. Uh, Hawkins was definitely the best shooter coming out of this draft. Uh, he was the best shooter coming out of college since like Sam Hauser. And those two have been incredible shooters over the past decade of college basketball. Uh, and then Nesta also quickly just says like, he's also two years ahead of Grady in his career arc. He's just, he's just two years older. Um, Hawkins, there's a lot of negatives of his game that are being papered over by uh, really fun shooting. It hasn't been like super, super effective at this point, but he's putting up a lot of shots and he was definitely the best shooter coming out of the draft. The Raptors took Grady because Grady's a little bit bigger and Grady projects to be able to do things better besides shooting. And that's what they're trying to pick. And that's what they're trying to do. And uh, I think that Grady can reward that pick if he hits shots. But I mean, hell yeah to Hawkins. He was the best shooter coming out of the draft. I think he's he's been on movement out of like really tidy set actions, forming up to guys. I think Hawkins like 
when he was at UConn, they ran so much just based off of Hawkins, like sprinting around the court, worming his way through three screens, then getting an elevator on the same side or something like that, right? Really impressive movement shooter. So good at just getting the ball up. Grady is a little bit more flow to it and stuff like that. And so there's there's a difference there, obviously. But yeah, uh, I think based on what I'm seeing, everybody's still pretty positive on Grady. Grady has the mentality. That's the important part. Um, you you need the mentality to go through uh, this kind of stuff. Uh, the Green Perspective says Strother is a guy that's underrated. He really is. I could have told you, but of course I'm, I'm biased. I, I spent... Uh, parts of two summers at Gonzaga playing um, not with Gonzaga but they host like uh, tournaments at Gonzaga and they used to host ID camps and so we would play with like at that point in time it was like Kevin Pangos and Kelly Olenek and that uh, group of guys at Gonzaga and so obviously since I played at Gonzaga for two summers I uh, have been obviously quite partial to cheering for the team and the guys who come out of there Sam Barefoot says what the hell is an elevator so this is like the coolest screen, in my opinion. An elevator is where, okay, this is one guy and my head will be the other. So this is what happens. An elevator screen is if somebody runs between the screen and then the elevator doors close. That's how that works. That's an elevator screen. Um, and they're really cool. It's basically just elevator doors. So a guy comes up through the doors and then the doors close, creating a double screen. And it's a really good way coming up the gut to create a look for a guy so they don't have to curl around a screen so they can just do all that kind of stuff. I love elevators. They're very, very cool. Um, huge fan of them. I feel like that's a good place to end it. Yeah. We talked about the game. We talked about a lot of the in-between. Uh, I'll answer one more question. If anybody, uh, Sam Barefoot says, got it. Yes, you can lock them in the elevator. That's right, man. That's the way to do it. They get stuck. Maybe you, you press all the buttons on the way out. That's the analogy getting more work. I suppose um, Nesta says, would a Richard Hamilton mid-range curl work in today's game? Uh, yes and no. I think like you could, you could do it off of a secondary action. That's kind of what, um, that's kind of what like blade action is, except blade is meant to create a um, blade is meant to create a drive, but you could just cut, the cut you're making off of the blade action short and just make it like a rip Hamilton little curl into mid-range if you wanted to but I don't think it would be that effective just because of the way that teams play defense they occupy passively a lot of the space just because they stepped out now they could just drop back and crowd the possession as far as like what rip was doing I think rip probably uh would have been a guy who as the as the NBA changed, he could have just taken a step out probably. Um, I know there's like the two motion shooter versus one motion shooter stuff, uh, but that's uh, that's kind of, I guess, my thoughts on it. But anyway, that feels like a good place to end it with some Rip Hamilton positivity. He was cool, man. Uh, Joe Tully says, great defensive effort in game from Siakam. Can you comment on this? There's a, there's a decent amount I, I talked about in this game, but um, just to, to recap, Pascal, I thought, was really resilient as a creator in the half court. The Suns were doing a really good job of making the Raptors go to a lot of stuff that they didn't really want to in the half court. And Pascal kind of willed his way into the paint to collapse the defense for a large portion of the game before Scotty really picked up and started doing that uh, more effectively, to be quite honest. And uh, as far as that goes, uh, that was good on Pascal's end. There's some shot making stuff where Pascal thrived and then there's some stuff that didn't go as well towards the end of the game really great cutting wasn't rewarded with shots and then the defense i think he had really good isolation defensive plays i think he did a pretty good job climbing screens sticking with guys and being switchable and making sure that the raptors can keep their shell i thought all that stuff went well for um pascal but okay that's where i'll leave it thanks to all the people i like the video right you guys are in here watching um it's free it helps all that kind of stuff. Uh, that's what it's supposed to be. You know, it's, it's free. You like the video. It's good for the, it'll tell other people to watch it. Hopefully they like me too. I assume you guys do. Uh, and subscribe to the channel. 
and subscribe to RaptorsRepublic.com. That's what keeps me paid. That's what keeps me fed. And that's what gets you more of my analysis, if you're into that, the written kind. Okay, uh, stuff on my end of things. I don't know the next video essay, what it'll be, but I should have an interesting conversation coming up with an unnamed guest. So stay tuned for that. And I'll see you guys on Friday after the game. So hell yeah, thanks to everybody for tuning in. You're all the best. Uh, from the names I can see, uh, Luna under my eye, Top Shot Tesla, James, Hotz or Hotzi, YG7, Richard, Joe, um, you're all great. I could scroll up and say everybody, Nesta, C4C, uh, Dammit81, Sam Barefoot, Gabby Robertson. Thanks to everybody for tuning in, all the hundreds of you, the lot of you, you're terrific. Okay, that's about it. For the people listening on their walks or at the end of the night, thanks for tuning in on the podcast app. Much love to you guys. And whether you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye.